0: I didn't care who was back there playing quarterback, whether it was him or myself. And I'm thankful I was able to walk off the field with a ring in my hand, uh, you know, concluding my career.
1: Finally, I get my man, great cup champ, MOP, Henry Burris. Welcome to the Waggle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Davis. How's it going? Oh, th-
1: things are well. Good to good to get you on. I know you're a busy man these days, and you know what? I'm just gonna jump right into it. I, I want to start with with what everyone's been talking about uh, the last couple of weeks. You made some comments uh, that had the internet buzzing, and, it, and quite frankly, uh, Henry, I, I believe that you were referring to yourself. Uh, you know when when you claimed uh, that Michael Strahan was the best football player turned morning show host. Explain.
0: well you know what I always say that Michael never did major in broadcast communications it's something that he picked up along the way but he's he's doing quite well especially at this time right now and and he's making a pretty decent salary as well but you know again he, he got the proper training he's been in the game for a number of years and you know as an athlete as long as you uh, take the lessons that you have learned from playing the sport that you played and transfer it into the business world. You know, I foresee uh, you know you reaching big success, and I hope hopefully I can reach that same level as he has as far as you know get, finding that comfort that comfort zone and <laughs> being a broadcaster. He's he's definitely got that. The, a lot of CFL
1: fans, uh, myself included, have been wa- have been watching your your GMC playbook stuff you do at halftime how much fun are you having in that and what uh, what challenges
0: has that brought to, brought for you henry well you know it's been fun for me because uh you know i'm kind of learning the world of of media you know on both sides i'm staying attached to football uh being able to talk about the game you know, watching the game i'm, I'm doing radio hits uh, with tsn radio uh, but also you know like i said it keeps me in that world of cfl football because you know i love to be able to come on and lend a hand wherever i can and definitely in the future with TSN, I'll be doing appearances with the panel and doing things along that line. So it's stuff I'm looking forward to building off of, but again, to stay attached to the game, you know, I was trying to find, uh, you know, i talked it a with the, with the with the head guys over at TSN and wanted to find, you know, where, where they, you know, I guess a role for me to start playing initially, especially with the, you know, with, with, with all the change that's occurred with me now being here with CTV morning live, you know, it's also given me a fit to, to, slowly work my way into doing both where doing what I do here from Monday to Friday and then working my way into working with TSN on the weekend and helping out with CFL games as the season progresses. You're pretty active on on social do you? I know my
1: wife will give me the oh Davis, I get that look like what did you just do? Does does Nicole give you the hank when you're uh, when you're when your Twitter fingers get happy does does
0: Nicole give you the the stop sign sometimes? Well, you know, with her, I mean, I, I try not to get on there much. And, and me, every, th- every time I tweet something, it's always positive. And, uh, you know, how people want to switch words around like they love doing up here in Canada, uh, you know, that, that's people's – people take that with their own discretion. I mean, for me, I always tweet things out positive because in my mind there's too much negativity in this world. And, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's just how I see things. That's how I'll, I'll always be. You know, if I do have to say something to – criticize something or give collective criticism or, you know, that somebody can build off of, I'll say it that way. But, uh, you know, for me, my wife always says, Hey, you know, if you're going to say something, make sure you stand behind it. And you know, me, I'm a type of guy. I definitely stand behind the things I believe in. And, and, uh, you know, but again, I won't say anything that's too controversial. I will always say something to promote, to promote growth and, uh, to be positive uh, with people or whoever we're talking about.
1: Yeah, Rick Campbell actually said that. He said, "Hey, Henry's a family member. He's he's our friend. He's a family member. He's only uh, saying things in the best interest of of our squad." And he was he seemed like he was supporting supportive of your comments. And for those who didn't know, it was that the comments of the leadership uh, issues or lack of poss- possibly in the locker room in Ottawa. And when you have, like you said, you know, ten. 10 something guys off of a team. That's just natural. And I read into it. I said right away, well, that's natural. That's, it almost goes without saying what you said. So I, I, I often wonder, uh, you know, when I heard so many people chime
0: in, I wonder why it touched so many nerves. Well, that was the thing because, you know, I, I did hear yourself, Cavi and Brody's you know, response to that. And y'all were saying, I was calling out the lack of leadership. And when somebody asked me that question, I was like, where, did, where in that did I say lack of because, if I felt there was lack of, I would have said it. But to me, I know there's great leadership in there. However, when you lose so many guys that were leaders from our team in the Grey Cup to help us win Grey Cups, and you expect the team, and you call this team the defending Grey Cup champions, you technically can't say that because so many of the guys, that, over half the guys that played in that Grey Cup game are no longer with the Red Blacks, and they were leaders on our team, a lot of the key players in our team, and now they aren't in that locker room anymore. And I always felt that if a lot of, over 75% of the guys from that team came back, and Trevor was still quarterbacking, this team would be a much different team now. I wasn't talking about myself because I'm done. I'm happy to be able to walk off the way I did. I'm living out a dream job now, working with, within the Bell Media family. I'm loving life and spending more time with my wife and with my kids. I care less about Henry Burris. I want to see Trevor Harris and the Red Blacks do even better. And I was just asking for patience because I know this team's going to get it done, and them getting a big victory in Hamilton to me, is a step closer to them becoming the team that they can become, especially going into the second half of the season.
1: Well said. And, and you did not uh, walk off the field, Henry, after the Great Cup. I was on the field doing my work uh, as well, and I, I saw you come off the field probably about an hour and a half after the game. The field was empty. It was actually a cool sight. And you walked across the field, and you had a stogie in your mouth, and you, yeah, you weren't walking. You came across the field with a stogie in your mouth and you were pulling, you were dragging one leg and walking with the other one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a must, that was a pretty, uh, a pretty great way to end it. And I'm s- certain that uh, the pain uh, the pain
0: only lasted for a bit. The memory's uh, much longer than that. And that's exactly the reason why, you know, I asked the doctor to do whatever once, once I went back to the medical room. I said, do whatever you have to do here. Just just get this thing working correctly because I knew I couldn't get that moment back for the rest of my life because I knew before the Grey Cup, I knew even before the season that that was my last game. I knew that was my final season and to be able to live it out in that manner and close that chapter of my life off and uh, shut that down the way we did it, I mean, it's something I knew, I, you know, I had to take it in and soak it up as much as I possibly could with my family but I knew the last time I walked across that field, I had the stogie in my mouth and drug that leg. I said, hey, regardless of how I feel and how the surgery is going to go, you know, this will be a memory I'll car- carry with me forever.
1: Knowing, going into that season, knowing it was your last, last year, do you think you were able to uh, see some things, do some things as a teammate, uh, as a guy in the league, that, that you wouldn't have been able to do if you didn't know that it was your last game or
0: last season? Well, you, you know what, I mean, it, it was tough because, you know, in my mind, you know, and and this is how we are as athletes, I mean, I still felt and knew my mind and heart with the things that we had been able to do here in Ottawa in the second year going to the Grey Cup, you know, in my mind, I knew I was the best quarterback in this league, and you know, I always felt that wherever I went, I could help turn it around and, and take a team to the Grey Cup and, and eventually win a Grey Cup championship, and I just needed the opportunity to do that, and thankfully, Ottawa gave me the next year after the a great cup appearance in Winnipeg to, to take another shot at winning that great cup. And once the finger got healthy, we were able to get it done. But I knew with the changing of the guard coming with the fact that Trevor had been guaranteed the starting job in 2017, in my mind, I was like, well, there's no need for me to come back and play another year as a backup because you know I have a career waiting on me that I've worked so hard to commit myself to each and every off season. Instead of resting up, I decided, Hey, I need to prepare for when that opportunity comes or that part of life comes. And so I'm thankful that I did that. And, uh, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow when your job is just given away. But, again, you know, I, I, don't, I don't make those decisions. My decision was to make sure I took care of my family. And uh, But when the Red Blacks made that decision, I had to live with it. But if there was any guy I could cope with it when it came to knowing that he was going to be taking my job, it was a guy like Trevor because I was a big fan of Trevor. Trevor's a humble guy. He, showed, he shows lots of humility as a person. And the fact that he was growing a family like I did with my wife, Nicole, and him and his wife were doing the same thing. You know, I had no problem turning it over to a guy like Trevor. And, uh, you know, he came in and expressed, you know, you know, his feelings towards me. And we really hit it off well. And, and, uh, but he's a great guy and a guy I want to see continue to build this team. And so that's why it was easy for me to deal with. Because regardless, as long as I got a ring, I didn't care who was back there playing quarterback, whether it was him or myself. And I'm thankful I was able to walk off the field with a ring in my hand, uh, you know, concluding my career.
1: What is your relationship with with the Red Blacks now in, in regards to the you know obviously you have buds on the team are you around uh, are you around uh, practices and watching games are you too busy with your own family life and your next career?
0: I usually get over like once every couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I'm still kind of going through that breakup phase to where when I go over, I yeah. still get great memories and things like that. And and the thing is, there's a transitioning occur, occurring as well because it's Trevor's team. There's so much, yeah. so many new faces there and. But I still get together with the guys away from the locker room. You know, I'll get together with the O-Lines, the Sir Vincent Rogers, the John Goss, you know, the Greg Ellingsons, the Brad Sinopoli, the guys that I know quite well that, that we've been through so much together over the past few years. Uh, but, yeah, again, you know, I'm going through this transition myself. And, you know, with a new job, a new family, a new locker room, with my family at home. So, you know, I try to find time where I can invest that time into both sides. and uh, But to make sure that I'm not cheating one or the other, but more importantly, my family, because for 20 years, you know, I, I really wasn't a father or a husband, only spot dutying here for the past 20 years. So now in my mind, I'm, make, I'm making up for lost time, but I will, I do find time to get over and help out, you know, the team and spend time with the organization as well and help out where I can. Your
1: physical body, when you watch a game or you watch a practice now, you, physically, I know you're, you're what, happily retired physically. Could you still, could you still play physically?
0: Do you think? You know what? There's been times I've I've stepped out and I've ran agilities with my kids. I set up cones and and I'm still lifting. And, uh, you know, I'll throw the ball to people, too, sometimes here and there. And I still got the zip on the ball. I still have the quickness to get the job done. You know, if I had to play football right now, I haven't been working out like I'm used to working out when it comes to preparing for football. But, uh, you know, I'm still in good shape. And, you know, know, I'm pretty sure I could pull the Jay Cutler, but – you know, the question is, mentally, do, do I want to pull the Jay Cutler? No. Physically, do I want to pull it? No. I'm done, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know in my mind I could, I could pull it off because I still have the strong arm. I, I still have the knowledge of the game. And, you know, I think my knowledge is at an all-time high. And physically, I felt great, too. It was just a finger I injured last year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everything still feels good. And you know what? The body feels so much better when you're not getting hit by 300 pounders and the, and the, and the wear and tear isn't building up throughout the course from training camp to now. Uh, the body feels so much better.
1: The breakup phase—I I know when I—it's different because you walked out on on kind of your, kind of your own terms, and at least with it with a breakup win and the, and the MOPF, a special feeling that very few could walk out, and very few, you know this, uh, Hank, and very few could walk out uh, on their own terms. For me, I still felt like I wanted to play another year, so I could not. And this is, goes to the breakup stage. I could not watch football or be around football for at least a year and a half, I think it was. It was for sure a full season, and I think, uh, another half season before I could actually watch football or be around the game. And, and what it was for me was the phys- physically I knew I could no longer do it. And so at yeah. that point, it was easy to watch because I'm not watching, critiquing or looking like, oh, I – I want to do this or uh, here's what he should have done. I could just watch as a fan and sit back in my recliner with my peanuts. So that's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's a little bit different when you physically, you'll see that, I, I believe, when you physically know you can't play, the
0: itch kind of goes away. It, it does go away. And so many people have asked me, uh, you know, throughout the beginning of the season, do I still have that itch? And I, I haven't had the itch. I mean, I looked, I had different, you know, points you know, throughout the, the year, landmarks that I had set for myself, knowing the guys are coming back in town, how was I going to feel, knowing training camp starting, how was I going to feel the first home game in preseason, how was I going to feel the first time I saw him on TV as far as the Red Blacks, you know, just seeing football in general, you know, I never had an itch. And I think for me the biggest the, the biggest hurdle I had to clear, and we always talk about it, is when you miss the guys in the locker room, but even two, you miss game days. And I think for me it's when the team would always bust out of the, the, the tunnel, out of the helmet fireworks are going off the, our announcers say hey welcome to red blacks and the crowd's going crazy you know when i had that first moment when calgary came to town or game one we had the gray cup and everything nothing made me tear up until the team busted out of the helmet hearing the crowd roar the fireworks going off i teared up at that moment because you know you can never relive that excitement for game day when you run out with your teammates the fans are going crazy and that's something that in your mind, and your heart, you felt because that really turns you up to get you ready to go out and play football. And so that's something you really can't make up. And honestly, every time I hear that, I'm pretty sure I'll continue to to feel some type of emotion run through me. A special part
1: of your life for a, for a long, long time. So to, to be expected as a as a future Hall of Fame guy and a, and a quarterback specifically, Hank, I want to ask you about a couple of the young guys in the league right now and kind of get your take the two best right now in the league. And it's, it's I don't think it's a question is, is
0: Mike or Mike and Bo. Um, first, would you agree with that? You know, I, I definitely will agree with that. I mean, both Mike and Bo have, have been slinging it, man. I mean, those guys are doing so many great things as far as for their teams. Uh, and, and again, each player fits their team perfectly because, you know, Bo's not asked to do the same things like a Mike Riley. Mike Riley's more like the Aaron Rodgers up here where uh, the Tom Brady of the league is Bo Levi, where all he does is win, win, win. And now for him, in his mind, it's about getting back to win, winning that Grey Cup that he wasn't able to pull off this past year. But look at the success that he's had. And what happened in that <laughs> game? What happened in that game? Well, I will tell you, you know, fortunately, uh, did you the know, Henry was, Burris,
1: Did the Henry Burris show come to town?
0: <laughs> well, I was able to be on fire that game. <laughs> but you know, you know how it is. It's, it's that thing where uh, you know that, that black cowboy hat that I learned in Calgary to where, like, you come in here like gangbusters, nobody gives you a chance. You put the world against you, and our team bought into it. And when I wore the black hat in there, I said, guys, I'm undefeated with this hat, and I expect to be undefeated when I leave with this hat. And my, my oh, teammates, they did everything they could, and they all signed the hat after the game. So that'll be one memory I have, you know, thanks to people in Calgary. That, that hat that was given to me by Calgarians, you know, I was able to maintain the undefeated status playing with that hat. So I was very thankful. But, uh, when was the other but,
1: time when was the other time you had the hat on?
0: Uh, the two thousand eight Great Cup in Montreal oh, when good. nobody thought oh, we'd yeah, go in there yeah, and beat the yeah, Good for yeah. Yeah, good for you, Hank. Good for you. <laughs> hooray,
1: hooray. For those of you who don't know, I happen to be on the, the losing end of that one, but uh, it's not about me. Back to you. The I want to ask about those two guys, about, about Bo and Mike, specifically, because we know we hear all the we hear the you know what Mike does with his legs and and, and the balls that Bo throws and just whatever they do. But I want to know from a throwing standpoint, what Tell me something you see from each guy, an attribute uh, that you see with each of them when they, when they're throwing the football in the actual, uh, the actual throwing the football, what do you see from either of those two guys that makes them
0: stand out? You know what? With Bo is his touch. I mean, he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks. He's like the, the modern day version, the next coming of Ricky Ray. I mean, his touch is, I mean, his touch, but he still has arm strength to go with it, but his touch and his accuracy on his deep balls. I mean, he's one of the best deep ball throwers I've seen in this game. And, you know, I mean, he has some big receivers that he can throw it up to, but, you know, he drops teardrops in there. And, and it looks like it's such a catchable ball, a ball that's easy to catch. You know, he has some guys that, you know, have kind of struggled maybe in their career at some point, but when they played with him, you've seen their game just take off, and especially some rookies that they brought in, uh, you know, that, they, that have came in. And look at all the guys that have won rookie of the years playing with Bo Levi, been the top receivers in the league playing with Bo Levi. He makes people better, and that's the reason why Calgary is as good as they are. And then you look at Mike. I mean, to me, Mike Riley, he, he's got a strong arm, but also has accuracy as well because he's throwing the same type of balls, you know, with nice touch, but you can tell he's got a bigger, stronger arm uh, than a Bo Levi. But, you know, he zips the ball in there, puts it right on the numbers, and he's accurate with his strong arm. But he finds ways just to make plays. And you can tell now, being in this offense with Jason Moss for a second year, he has such a, a firm grip and firm control under what as far as what's happening and you can just see his growth con- continually to build and his comfort as well. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's a scary sight to see for the opposition. And even now with injuries to his top two receivers in Bowman and Zilstra, he's taking these young guys to the next level as far as in what they can bring to the game and the fact that he can make his team better in so many given ways. You know, regardless of who's out there on this field, as long as he's under center, you know, this team's going to score a lot of points and have a chance to win every game.
1: Yeah, what do you think benefits going to Edmonton? What do you think benefits a team more in the long run? Dominating teams the the way they haven't dominated, but winning uh, games handily like some teams do, and you've been on those teams, or playing a lot of close games and winning? Because everyone we talked to the last few weeks, and 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 we've heard a lot about Winnipeg winning the close games, about Edmonton too. They've you know they were undefeated up until last week, but they won. A lot of the games, they had like five games where it was like 13 points or whatever it may be within five games. So basically not blowing anybody out, which to me sh- shows that there's parity and a lot of teams could beat them on any given day. As a team, what do you feel better as a team that's winning close games so you can prove you can do it uh, and you know the formula to do it later on in the season or just dominating people and knowing that you're just that much better than
0: everybody else? I think there's a catch-22 in both of those, however. I mean – I would rather have the closer games where you're having to gut it out and having to step up and test your character and and find ways to win games. Yeah, because in the playoffs where it matters most, both teams are good. I mean, nobody's ever going to run off and just blow a team out. It it rarely happens in the playoffs. And I think if you've been there and you've done it before, you know how to respond. Where if you look at Calgary last year in the Grey Cup, when we jumped out to that early lead on them in the first half, you saw the looks on their faces like, man, you know they're supposed to be the aggressor. And now they're playing at the team that's setting the tone against them. It's as if they didn't know how to react, but with all their talent, we knew they were going to respond and start making plays. But the thing is, we were the team that had been through the adversity, dealt with the injuries, battled back to win the East, and now here we were playing in the Grey Cup. We had previous Grey Cup experience against Edmonton where we didn't respond well in the fourth quarter, and that's where they beat us, where even when our backs were against the wall late in the fourth quarter, Nobody nobody would bend, nobody would break, nobody wavered, nobody lost confidence. We made the plays of what it would take to win a great cup championship. And that's what you saw was the difference between us and them, a team that had blown everybody out, had a couple of setbacks uh, throughout the course of the season. I think you build, I was—I always describe it as that
1: look you have. And, and you know, when you go into a huddle and you've been there before with somebody, you can look over next to them and look them in the eye, like, hey, this, let's get this done. And you know, there's certain points of a game uh, or a season where you know it's that look you just give a guy you played with for a while or you've been there through the battles with him you give him that look and it's you know it's go time do you you know the look i'm talking about
0: i definitely know that look you're talking about because you know when when you know somebody's in the zone there's nothing better than having that teammate that's in the zone because a teammate like that can lift your game they can lift your game i know when i have a receiver that's just going off like you know he he can't drop a pass he's He's, you know, beating every defensive back. and starting sorry to talk about defensive backs. So all due respect to yourself with how, good, with how great you were in your career. But, you know, when you have that guy that's just in the zone and everything he's doing, it's right, and nobody can stop him. You want to feed off what that guy is bringing to the table. And a lot of times you see that from quarterbacks. When quarterbacks are in the zone and they're having that game where it's just lights out, it just elevates your team. It elevates your teammates because they look towards that position. They look towards that guy to help lead the way, show them how things are going to be. Gives me belief, and if I know if I have you on my side, I have a chance. And and so you know, from being in the quarterback position, it's hard to talk about it and 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 say you understand it. But it's one thing when you feel it because it's something that's hard to describe. It's something that when you look back over it, you're like, man, look at how things were happening, and I look so calm, things look so easily. But that can happen for any given position, but especially when the quarterback is filling in that type of zone. Really, it's going to be a hard team to beat because everybody feeds off that and it elevates everybody's game. The great part of us being media now, Hank, is that
1: we're allowed to speculate. We're allowed to tamper. We can do all these things and nobody can do anything to us. Uh, Johnny Football is, is a name that's come up uh, here in the media a lot lately. First of all, let me ask you about his off-the-field issues. Um, kind of NFL guys coming here. We've seen it, uh, me and you both, Actually, we were down there at the same time, actually. But me and you both played down there and played up here. There's a difference between uh, the culture in the NFL and the CFL. And, and it, do you think that that helps guys that have got in trouble down there come up here? Do you think that helps guys or it hurts guys the way the, the schedule is here and the laid-back
0: approach kind of in the locker room here? Well, I think it's about how the player approaches this opportunity because it's still football uh, and, and the guys that put in the work, the guys that have the humility and go out and do the no things. No, Hank. They're supposed-
1: no, no, Hank. No, Hank. He's got four and a half hours of football, and then he's got the other twenty-one hours off. Is he going? Is he it's twenty? Is he going to go party his 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 head off and uh, and ruin his opportunity to play football because of all the free time he has, or can he can he hone it in? That's what I'm talking about. The free time, because you and I know how much time we have off in the CFL compared to the NFL. Can does that hurt guys or? I mean, we know
0: what he's supposed to do. Is it, can he do it? Well, th- well, that's the thing, because if he comes up here loving the game, you know, it, it, it'll p- put things in perspective. But if he continues with the things that he's done in the past, we all know where that's going to lead to. Because you, just like uh, Denny Green always said, and rest in peace, they are who we thought they were. And we've seen that happen a number of times with players who came up here thinking just because they had a name and did what they did in college, or in university football, now they're going to have a chance to relive the same moment. Well, this is professional football. The, the thing is, what you do on and off the field, you're held accountable for. And so regardless of where he goes, that's still going to go with him. Those, those skeletons in the closet that he's put there are always going to trail him wherever he goes. And for me, just like any other player that comes in there, yeah, he has potential, but so do the other guys. But he, Johnny Manziel had marketing behind him. He had the Heisman Trophy behind him. But that's all he's had. He hasn't done anything professionally until he proves that more so off the field than on the field. I think he should be held accountable just as any other guy. Yeah. If he gets a chance. Yeah. I mean, with the upside of what he could bring, you have to give him a chance. But again, he is Johnny Menzel. He hasn't proven himself on the professional level, but he has proven himself as the type of guy. He is off the field, regardless of whatever level he's played.
1: Upside. Okay. So you're, you're a GM. Let's play a game here and I'll, I'll join in with you. if, you're a GM right now, and you you don't have a quarterback. And you're trying to – and I can name a couple of teams, but we just use our common sense and we know the teams we're talking about. Either a team that has an older quarterback or they don't have a quarterback in position right now. But Johnny Manziel, his skill set, what he could bring to a franchise in regards to um, the publicity, the buzz, and also he's got a ceiling and he's a tremendous talent. Would you pay him – and this is a specific question. Would you pay him quarterback money – meaning he's pretty much guaranteed for that first year he's guaranteed. He's going to make around the three, $400,000 range. Would you pay him that money, a chance to turn around your franchise and, and bring a guy like Manziel
0: into the fold? If I was to give a guy like Johnny Manziel that type of con- contract, he would have to prove some things before he actually got that money. And I, I'm, doubting, I'm doubting the way that I would structure a contract that he would sign it. But honestly, I need to trust you for me to put my family's hands, my family's lives in your hands. What's right the option, now, Hank? What's I the don't
1: trust do a. You know how hard it is to find a good quarterback. We've seen guys for teams. What happens? How do you find a good team here? How do you make a good team, build a good team? Good Canadians and good quarterbacks. And teams, you've seen it with the Alouettes. You've seen it in Saskatchewan. You see all these teams struggle because they can't find a quarterback. If you have a guy with the talent of Johnny Manziel, which I would say his game fits here, his off the field is an issue, but his game fits. And he's a tremendous talent. You're telling me if he would come here, which I don't think he would come for four hundred thousand yet. But if he would come for three, four hundred thousand, you would not sign him with the. You wouldn't take the risk and the chance to build your team. Hey, Davis, how
0: many guys have we seen that have the skill set to play in the CFL that have not paid? Not, up? not Johnny. But-
1: not that. Not his skill set. That's where. I, that's why I say bring Johnny's name up. And me and you, we've seen over the last fifteen years, Hank. Guys with NFL pedigree doesn't mean a darn thing. It means nothing. It means nothing. It doesn't equate. And I don't care where you came from, just like the same way you feel right now. But I, don't you feel like Johnny has something special in regards to the, the game he brings and how it translates into the CFL game?
0: Well, all that stuff he did, uh, it's very special. But again, can he read coverages? I don't know. Uh, two, can he manage an offense? I don't know. I mean, he again... What the stuff that he did at Texas a was outstanding. I get that, but how many guys have done similar things as what he's done and been bust? Because number one, they didn't mature. Number two, they always had off the field problems. Those are things that I, that for me to make you my franchise, I got to be able to look at you and see a franchise because I'm not going to buy a, a, a two hundred thousand dollar Porsche body and you're going to give me a cheap engine. I mean, and that's what I feel <laughs> I get from him because. If I don't know if I don't feel you have it on the inside, I can't make you my guy. And that's one quarterback to you know speaking to a, about another quarterback. If I don't yep. feel you got the ability to lead me in the right direction and take care of me and my family, then I can't make you my franchise. I'm sorry. Yeah, I
1: I, I totally get where you're coming from on on that. It, <laughs> it, it, it makes it makes, it, you know, it makes it, it makes sense and I think there's he's at a point now where he's I think his NFL opportunities are finished until he proves himself. I don't think any team now, he's been out of the league for two years. I don't think any team's going to sign him off the street. He's going to have to play in Canada or if there's a developmental league that comes out there. He's going to have to play somewhere else before he gets an opportunity. So lucky for us, Hank, we're going to get to see a GM put in that situation to have to make that <laughs> tough decision that we don't have to make, which is which is amazing. Before we let you go, my man, I want to I wanna get uh, kind of your predictions of, of – the East and the West here who's give me, who's going to come out of the East and who do you think is going to come out of the West? And uh, I, I don't know if you're still a Homer. I know I'm, I'm admittedly still a bit of a Montreal Homer working in the Bell family with you for TSN radio, Montreal. I, I am a bit of a Homer when it comes to making my Montreal picks. So uh, I'll leave Montreal out of it. And, and uh, you leave Ottawa out of it and tell okay. me your picks to come, your picks to come out of the East and the West as of today.
0: Well, if we're both leaving Ottawa and Montreal, because you know my pick would be Ottawa, because right now I just see things playing out towards Ottawa getting it done.
1: And And you're a homer, and you still like free meals and free gas. Don't try to play play me.
0: But, I mean, like, honestly, I would say Ottawa, because I just feel they have what it takes to get it done. But you would Rick, say who I, I just
1: told I just told you can't say Ottawa Okay you, okay you think I'm ever going to Hey look 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 we never we never made it easy on each other we played against each other for a decade and I never made it easy on you and you were sure as heck didn't make it easy on me I'm not going to give you a I'm not lobbing anything to you. so Okay give us a, Okay give us I a got you. and you can't include Ottawa I I will
0: I will say Toronto because number 1 Toronto right now I think their defense is coming to their own and they still have a couple of guys injured up front that once they get back, Butler, once he gets back, I mean, the guy's been wrecking shop up front. I mean, once those guys get full health back, they are going to be something to deal with with every team. Cleon Lang as well. Cleo Lang and Butler out. And they're probably still the best D-line in the league right now. Look, they played that way last week. Yeah, exactly. And then seeing how Ricky Ray has been playing in that new Tressman offense for him weekly, he's getting better. You can see the receiving core with playing with more confidence when he's in there. He can't go down. I mean, Fajardo and Matthews, they have good outlooks for the future, especially Fajardo, but right now those guys aren't ready. They can't lead a team to a great cup. But right now I have to give it to Toronto and Ricky. Right now they show the most promise as far as being able to win the East. Now out West, I mean, right now it looks like a three-headed race. I mean, I'm interested interested to see how Winnipeg, We'll you're leaving somebody, you're leaving somebody
1: out. Somebody's going to be up second. You're leaving somebody out when you say three headed. You're already going to begin. We get a lot of tweets today,
0: hey, Hank. You're leaving somebody well, out. I'm just saying, until BC proves it, they're not there right now. <laughs> I mean, you've got to be consistent <laughs> to win it because they, they have a great, a great team. And I mean, yeah. I think they have a lot of great players, but the injuries are starting to mount up on the offensive side. And they've got to get that whole quarterback situation decided as far as who's going to be the guy. Because at some point, you've got to say, we've got to stop experimenting because too much experimenting experimenting with what they're doing with the quarterback position can lose you games and 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 unfortunately they have a good enough team where they can do some good things and battle against the Calgarys and the Edmontons and Winnipeg But right now they're on the outside looking in as long as this game of juggling is going on so I'm only stating the truth here I mean they have a good team but right right now until that's decided it's a three-headed race and and I think right Quickly, now, that Hank, before you go huh? off that,
1: Hank, before you, before you go off that, I want to ask you on the BC, on the BC note, before we move off of BC, because that was m- my last thing for you. But now I'm, I really have to know how this how does fall off so fast? This like you just said, decide who the quarterback is. A- and I had to pause for a minute, like decide what is there a, is there a controversy? Is there a quarterback controversy? How did this fall off so fast? I, five weeks ago, four weeks ago, we we're talking about Jonathan Jennings as the future as you know a possible candidate this year as a as an MOP candidate as as the next great one and now words out of your mouth and a whole lot of other people is the word controversy how does fall off so fast in a league that is like no other in the what have you done
0: for me lately
1: category (laughs) this Canadian football league how does this happen so fast
0: well, you know, I'll, I'll say it simply like this because I've been a big fan of Jonathan Jennings and I've also been a big fan of Travis Lulay. But you can just see a different style of confidence, not only from the quarterback, but from the teammates around whenever Lulay's in compared to Jonathan right now, where Jonathan's doing a lot of patting of the ball. And I've always said, when I see quarterbacks pat the ball, I'm trying to understand what are their eyes seeing? You know, is he struggling reading coverages? I don't know. But he's not looking like the comfortable Jonathan Jennings that I'm used to seeing. And also teams are starting to, played Jonathan to take away his strength, which was thrown downfield. And now it's become, is he just a boomer bust quarterback? People are asking those questions and I want to see Jonathan overcome this stuff, but these are things that have to come up and you have to ask yourself about this because there are things that he knows he has to improve on and we know he has to improve on, but right now who's winning your games. And, and I mean, the evidence is right there before you seeing Travis having success. And right now they're going through a two game skid where Jonathan has been the quarterback. And right now they're starting to get into that area where they need to start winning games to keep up with that race up front or else they're going to be crossing over into the East, which may not be a bad thing also, but, but again, you want to keep up and win games just so you can establish that culture in that locker room.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So, so you, you have Edmonton or Calgary coming out uh, of oh, the West at this point.
0: Well, right now the team that's showing to be the strength of the West is, is Edmonton. I mean, they're looking great. I mean, Regardless of guys getting hurt, you see how they're filling in even, you know, stronger, better receivers. You know, I'm not saying they're better than Bowman and Vilstra, but these guys are coming in, showing a lot of ability as a rookie. Uh, but you know what? In the end, Calgary, I don't know, man, that's going to be tough, you know, with Calgary and Edmonton. But I'm going to go with Edmonton right now. They're showing to be the stronger, more consistent team where Calgary's had to struggle in something that we haven't seen them do the past number of years. But again, if Calgary was to win it, it's because that they're on a mission again this year. But right now, I just see Edmonton. Being that stronger team that's being more consistent, especially in all three phases.
1: Smiling Hank Burris, who Michael Strahan, who, congrats on all <laughs> you do, buddy. You're doing you're doing a great job. I enjoy it. You know what? You're bringing something to the league that our fans uh, need to see. You know, you're breaking it down, and and uh, I love it. I look forward to it every halftime. GMC professional grade playbook with Hank and and plug your morning show. Plug your uh, plug your social. Where do we find Hank Burris?
0: Well, you can find me at everything at Henry Burris, and whether it's Instagram, uh, Twitter, definitely come on there, send me a message, come and say hi, or just like all the people who love to you know, come in there and bash Hank. You know, uh, they bash me on Twitter, but when I see them in person, I know who they are, and they always come up and say hi. But as long as they continue to be good friends, and hey, we can have a cold one too, so it don't matter to me. I just want to enjoy life and meet good people.
1: Love it. Let's, uh, let's me and you do that cold one thing sometime soon. Thanks for joining us. Uh,
0: enjoy the rest of your day and, and your week, Hank. Hey, uh, you two days. Look forward to getting together and telling some war stories soon. Cheers, buddy.